You're listening to the Moments of Clarity podcast by Six Seconds Europe. Hello, my name is Fergal O'Keefe and you're very welcome to the podcast where we will feature global experts on leadership, change and emotions, sharing their real life experiences and how they've used emotional intelligence to see the world and themselves more clearly. Every Wednesday, I will ask my guest for three moments from their life that led to a light bulb moment of clarity on how to leave their life for the better. This podcast is produced by Six Seconds Europe, who are part of the global non-profit Six Seconds and who are dedicated to growing awareness of emotional intelligence. Six Seconds Europe supports individuals, teams and organisations to develop and practice emotional intelligence to increase personal and organisational effectiveness. For further information on Six Seconds and EQ, please see our website, sixseconds.org EU. Our guest today is David Edwards from the UK, who is recently certified as an emotional intelligence coach with Six Seconds. David shares in this podcast how he became interested in emotional intelligence training and why he chose six seconds for his EQ journey. David also eloquently shares some fascinating moments of clarity, including why he decided not to pursue a PhD while studying at Cambridge University to go travelling instead to South America, and the moment of validation when he was atop the Iguazu Falls on the border between Argentina and Brazil. This really is a fascinating chat. I skipped the hellos here and we just go straight into the chat now with David. Everybody was aware of their emotions during the lockdown and how they felt. And uh, now that the world is going back to being busy again, I think people realise that they have to be more tuned in, don't they? Yeah, I think that's that's one of the great challenges that on the flip side is one of the great opportunities this this little bit of increased awareness that we've all cultivated during such an unusual period in our in our history in our lives how do we now carry that forward um you know there's been a lot of talk about the new normal we can't go back we have to continue going forwards and we can we can learn from these previous experiences and yet a lot of my friends, particularly colleagues that I work with, have been saying to me, well, you know, nothing's really changed at work in terms of what we do and, and even how we do it. We're probably one of the industries that's been less affected. And so it is quite hard to hold on to some of those thoughts and feelings and, and intended actions that e- even I wrote down some and said, right, OK, I've really appreciated having a bit more time for myself in the mornings gyms have reopened I've gone back to my daily routine which involves a lot of gym work and um, surprise surprise that me time has been sort of gobbled up and by other me time I should point out I'm no martyr but um, yeah it is interesting that and then you're right Virgil I think the narrative has changed it's suddenly well maybe it hasn't been sudden but it has struck my consciousness quite suddenly that we are having these conversations much more openly in, in lots of public forums now and in lots of media um, and across all sorts of traditional divides, you know, there would be certain demographics that in the past probably wouldn't have spoken much about their feelings. And I think that there's much more appetite or, or um, readiness for doing that now than I've seen before. 
And you um, were ahead of the curve because I was just reading that you started in February 2019. Am I right in saying that? With your, right. your, your six seconds. So you were... Oh, it's very rare anyone has cause to say that about me. So <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, um, I, I found my way to, to six seconds probably not dissimilarly to a lot of other people that, that are part of, of that fantastic organisation. I I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, I suppose. And this is going to be one of the moments that I yeah, talked to you about. Yeah, I think we'll start with, this is a Bosphere number three, but how would you feel about yes. making it number one? We can make it number one, Let's no problem at all. Yeah, so I, I think it was a little bit earlier than February 2019. I happened upon an article uh, that was on the Six Seconds website. It was written by um, Maria Jackson, as she was then, um, Maria Miller now. Um, and she has an Illuminate blog that's part of the Six Seconds site. And she'd written an article about the Harvard Grant study, which I think is still the largest uh, study of its kind. It, it rather ambitiously sought to track the lives of Initially, I think it was about 300 Harvard undergraduates across their entire lifespan. So all the way from being an undergrad at Harvard right the way through to when they died. Um, The study then expanded beyond that because the demographic was quite narrow. They were all men, uh, predominantly white. Um, And of course, they were all similar age, similar-ish backgrounds. But what I really liked about this article that Maria had written was the way that the Harvard Grant study, like a lot of other studies of its kind, point to human relationships as being absolutely key um, to leading a happy life, a a good life, as as some people might describe it. I, at the same time, had sort of come to my own realisations around this. I care very deeply about other people. And I care more and more about my relationship with me as well. So I I read this article and thought, this is great. I'd like to read more of this. I'm an avid reader anyway. Um, so I started navigating around Maria's blog and then beyond that, other parts of the Six Second website. And that's when I became aware that this is an organisation that effectively helps people um, to get in touch with their feelings and, and their emotions and to become smarter with their feelings Um, and then I realized that there's also a practical element that six seconds encourages in this Um, the the sort of the the doing bit you know thoughts feeling actions here's here's the action bit guys you can sign up for one of our courses you can interact with uh, members of our uh, faculty you can interact with some of the tools that we use Um, and so I reached out to six seconds Europe um, and to Catherine Roth, who who heads up uh, that that part of the network, um, and it was wonderful because I got a very personal response for a start. Which, going back to my keenness on on relations, was was very you know stuck out for me straight away. And it transpired that Catherine was coming to Birmingham, which is where I currently live, um, and she said, "Why don't we get together for?" Uh, for breakfast for a cup of tea and I thought this is great I'd love to do that so yeah my first moment of clarity is meeting Catherine learning a little bit more about six seconds both through my reading beforehand and and talking to her 
and realizing that here was an opportunity um, to on my own learn a little bit more about something I was very keen on when I say on my own I mean that a lot of my learning in recent years has either been in agreement with or at the behest of the organization that I work for um, and but here was something that I was doing that, that actually my company's become very interested in but but wasn't pushing me towards at the time um, and I can still remember sitting with Catherine at Boston Tea Party in Birmingham little plug there for a great um, <laughs> a great cafe and just having a, a really really warm uh, generous conversation with someone who it felt like I'd known for a lot longer than just a couple of email exchanges and half an hour of, of, of small talk and, and walking from where she was staying to the cafe that was a really nice starting point for me in this journey and it's only in the last week am I right in thinking that that you sort of qualified with your how long? I don't know how long that is. Eighteen months or whatever. Two years is it? Or um, yeah, it was. It was a little bit shorter than that, but definitely longer than a year. I think. Um, and it, and it was a week ago today. So thank you, Fergal. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I got certified in what six seconds called the EQCC. So that's being a certified EQ coach. Um, and the pathway for that involves three parts: um, foundations. Uh, integration or insights as it's sometimes interchangeably called and solutions and I did the first two parts of that last autumn uh, September and October time and then had a little bit of a gap before the first solutions course that was available this year which was the summer and that worked brilliantly because it gave me a bit of time to consolidate um, and to work towards one of the other requirements of the course which is to build up practical coaching hours so yeah, it's been it's been a really really fun journey. It's been I hesitate to use the word intense, um, but but intense in good ways. You know, concentrated, focused, um, attentive work. Josh calls it hard work sometimes, but also heart work, and uh, that definitely resonates. It, when when you have the latter in play, the former doesn't feel nearly as hard or as tough. Because it's not just learning um, skills or say coaching or, or techniques. It's also learning about yourself, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think um, of, of that part of the six seconds model, so the no, choose, give yourself. Um, I, it's, it's know yourself that's always been the strongest suit for me, um, if that's the right mm-hmm. kind of word to use. It's, it's certainly my go-to um segment um but like all of the segments you, you know we're never done the, the journey goes on and um yeah I'm, I'm fascinated at this point i've been paying a lot of attention to something called the blue chick model which um is basically looking at uh, base emotions and, and robert blue chick was a um i think he he did a lot of work with animals he he was uh, involved in observing animals in their natural environments in their natural habitats and then noting down what he saw as being their primal emotions their base emotions and then linked that to humans being another member of of, of the kingdom um, and I've been particularly interested lately in expanding my emotional vocabulary around some of the gradients down from those 
those base emotions so you have fear for example what are some other words for fear and, and so the, the journey goes on um and it's it's always enjoyable for me to reconnect with that self-awareness piece in particular the know yourself piece and you know talking to you knowing you i know you're 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 a scientific brain so i'm interested to know your first one about pursuing a phd in cambridge right. no less yes yeah um i'm not surprised when i saw that actually you know i just uh, knowing you <laughs> that's, that's very kind thanks for i'm not sure quite what it says about me but i i recognize this as one of my patterns that i i think even now i'm i'm quite keen on just letting people who meet me know that that i can hold my own i suppose that i can hold a, a conversation that i can think freely and and deeply um i think for quite a long time that's been some kind of shield perhaps or some attempt at a, at a kind of armor but i'm i'm learning to to transform that um but yes the the first moment that i've written to you about um I was doing a master's course at Cambridge in classics, of all things, so quite a long way away from science. Um, But I was particularly interested in linguistics, Um, although I came from a history background, so I was within the ancient history corpus. Um, But what I found particularly interesting was the narrative uh, in ancient Rome, in the the late Roman Republic, first century BC, um, of Romanness and otherness. So, what does it take to be a good Roman? How does that differentiate you from the common crowd, everybody else? Um, and are the specific qualities that only Romans can possess, are the specific qualities that only barbarians can possess? And the whole the whole dialogue is complicated by the fact that the Romans are not the first in the Mediterranean basin at that time to have started this polarity, this polarizing debate. It had been started by the Greeks. And in the Greek mindset, a barbarian was anyone who couldn't speak Greek, quite literally barbarian, bar, 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 bar. We can't tell what you're saying. And of course this included the Romans. So the Romans had a bit of a tough ask um, trying to flip this. Uh, Anyway, that's perhaps the slightly scientific element of what I was up to, but I, I was about halfway through the master's course. It was a very um, condensed, very accelerated course. It's the shortest master's course, I think, that's offered worldwide. It lasts nine months. Um, And I had a moment of clarity, I suppose, in that I was thinking already at that point about what to do next. Um, And the obvious track that I think anyone probably would be on at that point is after the masters you do a phd it's it's what a lot of my colleagues were contemplating what most of them in fact had already decided upon Uh, there was no thinking left It, it was happening and i spoke to a few friends and i spoke to my supervisor and a couple of the other um professors within the faculty and i realized that actually for me it comes back to relationships again. A lot of my relationships day to day at Cambridge were with books um, and, and, and with inanimate objects. I mean, they were speaking to me, but it was a very one-sided conversation. And I realised that I wasn't ready to sign up for, for such a gig, uh, you know, three years plus 
of of doing the same with a slightly more social element of delivering papers um, at various conferences, networking uh, with other academics in in the same field, largely uh, in Germany. Um, And of course, teaching uh, the next generation as well would, would have been teaching undergraduates at the same time. Nonetheless, I felt that there were some itches to scratch. And one of those itches for me that I think anyone who knows me would would recognise is that I love to travel. And again, relationships. I particularly enjoy meeting new people, experiencing new cultures. And I, I always enjoy that sort of insider element. If I can meet someone from a culture who can show me the ropes, who can sort of take me around, then um, I really enjoy um having a guide um and being able to ask questions and 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 really interact uh with that culture through its people um and so that second moment of clarity was the phd is not for me right now um and has remained not for me right now for more than a decade since um but i i don't regret it i i really enjoyed being able to travel um and to meet new people see new places and new things um, and expand who I am. Um, You know, up until that point, I'd spent a long time in education. Um, I think a lot of us in the Western world do and and perhaps further afield as well. You know, we start very young and by the time we come out, we're typically either in our late teens or we're in our early 20s. And there's a lot of life still to be lived, hopefully. But, you know, a lot of time has been spent in education and, and in a particular um, framework, a particular context. So it was nice for me to step outside of that. But also, I think you're, my guess is you're like me in that I love traveling, but just say I was actually on the Camino a few weeks ago and I did have guides on it. It was like four different parts. So normally I wouldn't have guides, but this was kind of with it, with the Spanish government. So we had guides, but it was really great because you got a great insight into the history and the culture. So, I, yeah, I could totally understand what you mean by that. But also I was learning all the time and I love that. And it, mm. it, it, it nearly feels more valuable when you're doing it yourself, you know, rather than you're in studying to do something. But when you're studying about, like say in the Camino, the history and, you know, so you're still learning. It's still education. It's just a different form, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I completely agree. I think one of the things that matters most to me in my life is continuing to adopt a mindset of curiosity to, to be a learner, a lifelong learner, um, and I think it's wonderful because there are so many things we can choose to learn from. We were talking earlier, Fergal, about Brian Cox, uh, who I am trying harder and harder to to mimic with my hair these days. Um, <laughs> but but I think that that element of being able to pick and choose what it is that you want to learn more about. So it could be the Camino in northern Spain. Um, and I must ask you more about that another time because yeah. that, that's been on my list for a while now as well. That sounds fascinating. Oh, amazing. But I can totally relate to what you're saying. And it kind of ties in with your next one, I suppose, your, your, your third moment. Yes, yes. This relates very much to travel. Um, yeah. You've done this brilliantly. This is a lovely segueing flow through this. <laughs> um, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't appreciated that there was a flow when I wrote these. Um, but yes, I, 
so th this is actually a year or so after um, the, the previous moments clarity when I was at Cambridge. Um, by this point, I was out there traveling. I settled on South America as my starting point. Um, bit of a practical decision in there in that I was very keen to see that part of the world, but I was also very keen to learn only one language that would get me around multiple countries <laughs> and, and Spanish at that, which I already had uh, a passion for before getting to South America. Um, and I, I chose as my third moment um, traveling to the Iguazu Falls, which are an, an amazing set of waterfalls, set of cataract uh, waterfalls on the border between Argentina and Brazil. And just a stone's throw from the border with Paraguay. So you've got three countries vying for this amazing natural phenomenon. And um, it was the first trip I took uh, completely on my own uh, when I was in South America. I'd flown over on my own, um, but of course I was surrounded by other holiday makers or travelers, um, quite a few of whom spoke English. The moment I arrived at the airport in Buenos Aires, I was picked up by um, a local organization that I set up a homestay arrangement through so that I wouldn't be completely on my own at the outset because it was all quite new to me at the time. So this this bus trip that I took from Buenos Aires to Iguazu, which took about 20 hours, was the first time that I'd been completely on my own. Um, I mean, I, I, looking back, I arrived in Iguazu without even having anywhere to stay. There was one hostel. Thank goodness they had space. <laughs> I struck up a conversation with a chap at the train station. It took me a good sort of 15 minutes to realise that he actually was talking to me because he wanted me to buy him some food. Um, just very, very naive and um, and sort of open to, to these experiences. Uh, but the moment, I think, came when I was actually at the falls themselves. Um, and, it, and it all hit me at once, I think, that the sheer beauty of the Iguazu Falls I'd, I'd heartily recommend to anyone uh, a visit that the majesty of them the might of them it's an incredible amount of water uh, and, and a very powerful visual and and audible um, display because they are loud and I realized I, I had a little moment of celebration and I'm not one typically who self-celebrates much I'm not I'm not very good uh, yet uh, at picking up on those moments and and appreciating them but I had a moment atop the falls um, where I thought well done David you know you've, this is why you came traveling you've made it to this amazing spectacle quite a long way from civilization really there's a small town both sides uh, both on the Argentine and the Brazilian side but they are small difficult to get to the 20-hour bus journey was not without a few bumps in the road um, and I set about meeting people. I, I met a number of people that day, uh, including at that point atop the falls. I met a couple um, from Los Angeles in America. And seven or eight months later, I was sleeping on their couch as I made my way up the western coast. And, and there were another couple of people I met back in the hostel that I again stayed with when I was in my North American part of the journey. But the moment of clarity, I think, for me was appreciating that I had done something that was a little bit scary and, and was a little bit unknown. And you're right to point out, Fergal, that there's a part of my brain that is very scientific and likes predictability, likes 
control, like rational um, sequencing, really. I do this and that happens and then that happens. And of course, going up to Iguazu, there was no such consequential thinking for me to easily follow. Um, and I enjoyed that. It was, an, it was a really nice challenge and opportunity. And the realisation that I, I hope is shared by a lot of other people as well is that we're quite often a bit more capable than we imagine we are. And, and it's always a pleasant surprise when we find out the truth in that. When you really push yourself, go outside your comfort zone and, you know, that's the moment where you're going, it was the right decision. You know, it's funny because that is kind of a scientific thought in a way, because you were, that you were going, I made the right decision. I wanted this and this is it. This is it here. And you've, you've used that obviously to, to, to validate it. It's an interesting one. It is. And I really appreciate what you just said about validating. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's very scientific, isn't it? Let's come up with a proof. When I was in um, India, we were warned for, for scammers, you know, and yeah. a, li- a little kid came up and probably squirted a little bit of poo in my boot with a, with a syringe or something. So then they go, oh, you've got poo in your boot. Will I polish them for you? And, uh, and I said, yeah, no problem. And the kid was polishing my boot and I had a great chat with him. I know people are going by going, oh, don't talk to him. But he then was telling me about, I was like, so what sort of scams do people, he's going, you have to be very careful. People do scams around here. And then he was telling me about all the scams and he was telling me about where to go. And I had such a great chat. And all I, and then I gave him a dollar or something, you know, for it. So, you know, you were saying about being open to people, like that guy you were talking to and all he wanted was some food. And you give them food and that was a good thing. And I think people, when, who, the ones who travel and get the most experiences when they're open to other people. Yes. Yeah. And I think this, this resonates with me, um, what we were saying earlier in our conversation, Fergal, when we talked about what, what may well become the new normality and how we can carry forward some of the lessons that we've learned from, from a very difficult past 18 months or so. I think for me, that's been one of the challenging opportunities when I came back after traveling for so long was how do I continue to adopt this expansive mindset and particularly having time for people? Um, You know, I think we're quite often on our way to or from somewhere these days that can be a physical place or or a metaphysical place. Um, And sometimes for me at least if I'm feeling uncharitable um, people can get in the way you know I I need to be at this place I'm hurry hurry hurrying and and you're slowing me down asking me these odd questions but if I can just put press pause on whatever strange narrative is running through my mind and actually pay attention to the person that's in my way uh, I realize they're not in my way at all and and there's a real opportunity to connect and you know, I sound like a broken record here, but looping back once again, it's about those relationships and those connections for me. And um, yeah, I, th- I think some of the most pleasant experiences that I've had have been some of the most surprising as well. Not that I had expectations that were otherwise, but quite often that I just didn't have expectations. I wasn't planning to make a friend today. Um, I felt perhaps I was too busy to be making a friend today. And then, oh, 
someone wanders across my path and we have a lovely conversation and before you know it there's a friend um and i think even these people that we meet fleetingly on the road um there's still a kinship there um and, and yeah, sometimes there's some kind of a physical exchange. Sometimes you buy someone a sandwich. Sometimes you give someone a dollar. Um, but I, I don't think that lessens the exchange. Exactly. So the last question that I ask everybody, and I, you, I bet you, you still haven't probably picked it, but it is if you close <laughs> your eyes and you have to pick one. And it has to be, you know what, I always say the best one is the one that goes first to your head. So if you close your eyes and take four deep breaths and think of your happy place, where is that and why? It is the first one that sprung to my mind. Um, and you're right, Fergal, as I'd mentioned in my email to you, there are lots of happy places. I'm a very, very lucky guy. Um, but the one that's coming up for me at the moment is the there's a lovely little town just across the border from where I live in England into Wales, and it's called Langothlan. Um, and I, I love etymology. So the Llan, I believe, uh, is Welsh for saint. And then Gothlan is actually Cothlan, but the, the C changes to a G after an N because Welsh is tricky like that. Um, so Saint Gollan's um, town is a place that I love to to stop off at. Normally on my way somewhere else, I'm typically headed to the coast um, or I'm headed to Snedonia, to the mountains. Um, and there's a lovely, lovely stretch of the river <clears throat> that runs through Langothlan. Um, it's the River Dee, I think. Um, and there's a particular um, pub that, that sits on that river with an enormous wooden deck that stretches out into the water. And there are some rapids there as well. So you have not only the sight of the water, but the sound of the water. And I, I'm very much a water baby. Um, I, I love the water. And so my happy place that sprang to mind is sitting there on a summer's day uh, with a cool glass of something normally alcoholic in hand and good company and just sitting and, watching and listening. I hope you enjoyed our guest this week. I would ask that you please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that a new episode will appear in your library every week. I would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and review so that others discover this podcast. For more information on emotional intelligence and how Six Seconds Europe can help you, please go to sixseconds.org slash eu. Take care and see you next week. You are listening to Moments of Clarity, Journeys with EQ by Six Seconds Europe.